I am going to win the fuck out of this reasonable Toyota Tercel. Welcome to Indecorous Podcast. Indecorous means not in good taste. 9-11 was a gender reveal. <laughs> Indecent. Bunch of lunatics with morbid senses of humor. Immoral. You don't have the money to bulldoze this building? Just draw Muhammad all over the place. <laughs> Somebody will blow that shit up. Shameless. I let my bush grow because it's kind of one of those lots for love type of situations. Impolite. People always fingering, but I'm like, you know what? My finger is always hard. I don't get whiskey fingers. And beyond the pale. What you wearing down on your toes? Like 85% of the design would remain intact, but I'm not a designer, so I don't want to Yes, you are, Bobby. Don't put yourself down. You're a designer. If you want to be a designer, you're a designer. I forgot. This is uh, 2021 where people can just assume they know as much as people that have, <laughs> that have degrees and shit. If you identify as a designer, then you're a designer. <laughs> I've always thought he was effeminate, so I think that he qualifies in, in that regard. I support you. <laughs> Have you guys both ever been more right? <laughs> mm-hmm. We've never been more woke. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm proud of you guys. Do you guys see that people are pissed? I, I mean, I don't know. This, here's the thing, man. I don't know if people are genuinely pissed. Or people are talking about people being pissed. You know what I mean? It's like you never know if, yeah. if people are really outraged or it's people creating the outrage. You know oh, what I'm absolutely, saying? dude. Yeah, it's it's like yes. a few idiots on Twitter and then somebody wrote an article about it and it just, there's no way to gauge the anger. So people just, like, I haven't seen a mob in the street about it. You right, know? right, right. So exactly. So I don't know how much this is a real outrage or not. But apparently people were talking about how the new Space Jam movie's coming out with LeBron James oh, and, I know where uh, you're going with this. and the bunny lady is not sexy anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, you went a different way there, I thought. Yeah, I thought, I thought we were doing Pepe Le Pew. No, we'll band. get to Pepe yeah. Le Pew, but, but this is about, it was like Lola Bunny. And oh. she, in the original, in the one in the, from the 90s, she's like all shapely and she bears her midriff and she's got nice tits and shit. Setting a false sense of standards for rabbits, basically, right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> so now, in the new one, she just has like a full, like, just regular basketball shirt. And a hijab. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah, show diverse, because right. it's a... diverse, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's diverse, that's right. She's covered from... Oh, you can only see her eyes in, in this one. Every hair is a dagger into the heart of Allah. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, so she's not sexy anymore. So people, I don't know, again, you know, I don't know how to judge these things, but some people are claiming that there's people mad that they're getting too PC with this shit because the bunny's not sexy anymore. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And, and I'd, listen, I say this as a person that's admitted in the podcast in the past that I had a crush on... Uh, Jessica uh, Rabbit? Babs Bunny. No, not Jessica okay. Rabbit. Babs oh, totally. Bunny. From Tiny Toons. But also, I was like nine years old. So it's yeah. not like it's, you know, it was appropriate at the time. Plus, as I said back then, in bunny years, she's like 60. Because yeah. whatever. <laughs> so it's yeah, not were, weird. You, you were very progressive. You, <laughs> yeah. Carlos likes yeah. the ones aging out of MILF. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if you, you're about to get, if you've reached the age to get signed on to the Claremont Lounge, then uh, you're, <laughs> you're in. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, some yeah. some might call you a hero, Carlos. Oh, yeah, yeah, like me. I, I call myself a hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, apparently that's a thing, that the little bunny's not sexy anymore. So I, it, it's, it's hard to believe that people are arguing this, right? I mean, who's yeah. who's going to be going out there vocally 
advocating that bunnies should be sexier in cartoons. Do you, well, that's the thing is that it doesn't matter which side of it you take. You sound like a fucking dipshit, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so stupid. Yeah, I mean, because you're either going to be talking about, yeah, we don't want to set up young bunnies uh, <laughs> into believing in the standards of Western beauty or whatever, <laughs> bunny <Right>. beauty. <laughs> right. I see, I see but, an overlap between the hentai enthusiast, bestiality enthusiast, and the furries. I think yep. there's many overlap there, and those people are the ones outraged, probably. But you always find that overlap. You seek out that overlap. <laughs> you always find it in everything. Like we're yeah. talking about motorcycle repair, and you see an overlap between hentai and furries. I just think we should be checking in with the furries more often, is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a new cabinet position with this administration, so... You know, oh, I think, yeah. Yeah. A lot of good things to come. So, I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous. There's no way of judging who is outraged or if that, it's just some kind of... Because people just need to talk about shit. And then the yeah. other one was what Ian was going to bring up, the Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. Hey, Finally getting his fucking comeuppance. Yeah, he's getting canceled. And apparently what I heard, I thought it was just like a random thing where people are just talking about... Because, you know, it's out of nowhere shit like this comes up sometimes. But apparently there was a scene that was supposed to be in the movie that got cut out where LeBron has a conversation with Pepe Le Pew about consent. <laughs> yeah, because the first thing that comes to my mind when making a basketball team movie is a skunk trying to get his rape on. Yeah, yeah, I thought we were t talking about an animated monster's ball type uh, situation. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is exactly with who it is that first brought this shit up. Like, if it's the chicken or the egg, like if it was the movie that brought this up, or it's because the movie's coming out, people are talking about Pepe Le Pew, but I'll be honest, when I saw Pepe Le Pew when I was a kid, I, I never really cared for him. I thought he was kind of a, annoying, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, regardless of whatever else connotations they're trying to put on this shit, I just, when I watched it as a little kid, not thinking about anything, I was just like, this fucking thing's annoying, dude. Like, I felt sorry for the, because usually it was a cat that paint had fallen on. And you could not tell that it wasn't because he was stuck in the car. He was fucking French. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And so he's yeah. just constantly going after this cat. So I always felt sorry for the cat. I, I never liked that character to begin with, regardless of all these other shits. I never liked him. Yeah. Well, it's very brave of you. Do you think if he would have been like a rapey American, you would have liked him more than being a rapey French skunk? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it would have made any difference yeah. to me. I, I think when I, because actually when I was watching those cartoons, I was probably living in Colombia. So it was all the same to me. You're all white devils. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can cancel Pepe Le Pew, but you can't cancel that entire segment of uh, French culture and sexuality. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good luck with all that. So again, I never liked the character to begin with. I never really liked his segments. He annoyed me. But then they're trying to tell us, like, oh, you know, he promotes rape culture. And I'm like, oh, it's just a cartoon, man. Yeah. Like, I, I can't see anybody watching that cartoon, especially because it's for kids. So yeah. kids, generally kids don't want to fuck regardless. They are not, I mean, trust me, they don't. You just got to so, spill some paint on them and then they're going to want to fuck. Yeah, yeah, you just got to paint a white stripe on their backs. Yeah. So nobody, I don't think anybody ever saw that and thought, like, oh, yeah, no, this is the way it has to be done. You got to fucking chase the woman till the bitter end even if she doesn't want you or whatever like i think it's it's too exaggerated in my opinion because i think this rape culture thing just gets thrown around for everything bad dates yeah. is rape culture all this shit and yeah. it just i think it 
delegitimizes when people are faced with violent rape or forcible rape. That's yeah. if you're gonna put. Pepe Le Pew in the same box as fucking drugging somebody or putting a knife to their throat. I'm like, you're kind of minimizing the whole thing. Yeah, it takes a serious subject and then makes people not want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But hey, how about a, a cheese company named Rape Culture? Oh, <laughs> yeah. There yeah. you go. All right. Well, I bet, you know what? I bet that URL already taken. I'm positive. They will. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It'd be like cheese made out of rapeseed. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Now, okay, you get out of my head, Carlos. Hey, what the fuckers, what the fuckites, what the fuckians. Welcome to episode 80 of Indecorous Comedy. This is episode 30 of season 2. Indecorous Comedy is a reprehensively distinguished educational comedy show. You're the smartest lowbrow or dirtiest highbrow podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Carlos Valencia. Next to me, we have Bobby D., Yo. And next to him, we have Ian. What's happening? Today, we're going to be answering listener questions, talking about Indecorous news. We'll be diving deep into the Indecorous history of the Republican Party. But before we get into any of that, let's welcome our guest today, Jake Flores. Jake, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. I love this word indecorous that you guys are vamping on real hard. <laughs> we are really leaning on this word because I didn't realize that nobody knew what it was when we first named the podcast. And so now we're fucking just hammering it down, see if it ever catches on. No, I yeah. like it. Everyone will think of you when they use it now. By the way, I don't usually start the podcast by uh, ripping off Mark Marin, but, <laughs> but the reason I did it is because my buddy... Paul Hooper told me once, and I thought it was hilarious, that he saw Jake at the Knitting Factory, and that's how Jake started his set. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Do you remember baseball here, yeah, No, there was a while where I was just doing that. I forgot. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> kind of got into my system, and I was just, like, freestyling, because I didn't really have, like, an opener. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, Paul told me that. He was like, I saw Jake, and he just starts up with, like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious, dude. Yeah, I, I used to open with a Blue Chew ad, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you told me that, because I forgot that I did that, and I still think it's funny. It's hilarious, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, we like to open the show with questions sent from our millions of listeners around the world. We accept all questions sent to us, but we rarely have an answer for any of them. Question number one is, where do I send questions? And that's indecorouscomedy at gmail.com or through social media. We can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram at Indecorous Comedy, Twitter at Indecorous Pod, Patreon at Indecorous Comedy. How do you spell indecorous? That is I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. That is correct. And this first question, this comes from Chris. And you guys might have to help me a little bit with this because the wording, it's... I asked the questions exactly as they are sent to me. Chris asks, why was foot binding a slapper in ancient China? Right? So, first of all, you got to tell me what a slapper is. Because I'm not as good with the lingo. I'm assuming that means like it's a hit. Like a knee, a knee slapper? It's really well, that, funny. A, a knee slapper would be like, it's hilarious, right? Yeah. I think a slapper, I was taking slapper as banger. You heard that term, okay. banger? Yeah. How about you, Jake? You know what this means? I was thinking of the video game GoldenEye, where you can only slap people sometimes. Slappers only. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't remember that. That's a part, like, if you just want to, if you don't have a gun, you can just slap people around. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the game, it was called Slappers. 
So that's the closest I've gotten. I'm pretty sure that's not it. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think it was like, why is foot binding so much like golden eye in ancient China? Because <laughs> it's an odd job. Yeah, bam. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. An odd job. So, Carlos, yeah. I just cheated and looked it up. It's a British slang for a promiscuous woman. That's oh. at least one interpretation of it. I doubt that's what he means. Why is foot banging? A... Let's just keep this simple. Why were ancient Chinese people into foot binding? Let's just leave it at that. Does anybody have an answer for this? They were really into those really tiny deformed feet. The foot fetishes back then took a more perverse form. Okay, so actually the foot fetishes now are less weird than the ones back in ancient Chinese days. Is that what you're saying, Ian? Are you I trying have... to shame the ancient Chinese? <laughs> I'm saying that things were a little, little different back then. A little flavor of the month was a little bit funkier. I guess, will. I mean, I don't, I, I don't have an answer for this. I don't know what the answer is, but it isn't uncommon that different cultures have different... I mean, in Europe, they had the corsets where women are fucking crushing their ribs... And then in Africa, they had those... those... Oh, the neck rings, right? Yeah, that's, that's where yeah. I was going with that. Okay. Yeah, that's oh, like, yeah. The longer the neck, the more attractive the woman is. So I, guess, I mean, it's just... Who knows why people find certain shit attractive, I guess. It could also you know... be like a virtue signaling in a sense to say, if this woman's willing to deform herself, what else for fun might she do in the bedroom that yeah that's not a bad uh, take there i mean if, if if you're looking at it from the perspective of like oh she's being very subservient and i like subservient women then yeah maybe that's the appeal is it yeah now put your foot in this vice that's probably what it is but i guess i was thinking that a foot fetishist would probably like a pair of like big nasty feet so maybe what happened is that they had a problem with there were too many foot guys around like listen we gotta get this under control we gotta shrink all the feet so that you know work can get done otherwise yeah randy's gonna fucking lose his mind yeah people were showing up late to work because they were just foot fetishing it up so yeah that's it was just a measure to keep the economy yeah. going yeah yeah we already, we already instituted this one child policy to get some of these feet off the market but... <laughs> <laughs> all right so i think we got to the i mean maybe the, maybe psychologists or something have our sociologists have gotten to the bottom of this but i'm not smart enough to know i know like for example i like i like big tits and i like big asses and I couldn't really tell you why. I mean, it's just what I like. Uh, I, 90s hip-hop? Well, I mean, it, that or some people would say because I'm Hispanic. That's also part of the whole deal. But I just, I don't know. I will say the neck ring thing really does give a little bit of validity to the idea that society can kind of shape what's beautiful. Because I just thought I was attracted to what I'm just attracted to, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. that shit, how did that shit ever catch on? Well, I'll say this, and I've said this before, where because of the way I grew up and the standards of beauty that I guess I just was surrounded with, I do not like women that have hairy armpits. It's not attractive to me. But I also do acknowledge how unfair it is that women are expected to shave in a lot of places where men are free to grow hair. But because I grew up this way, I just, it's, I can't help it. It's just, it's just a instinctual thing. <laughs> so you're going to say you... heritage, not hate, basically. Yeah, <laughs> heritage, <laughs> H-A-I-R. I wonder <laughs> if the, the neck rings, like, if that created an unrealistic beauty standard <laughs> yeah. for, like, 
young girls <laughs> that grew up in the neck ring village where they're just like, what the? F- I want yeah. a huge neck. Like, fuck, that looks cool, you know? Yeah. yeah right. Goddamn, Sharon's already got 19 of them. Fuck, how am I going <laughs> to compete with that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were just, uh, before you joined the podcast, we were talking about, did you hear that shit? And again, we were talking about it. It's like, I never know if it's an actual outrage or it's a manufactured outrage. But people are talking about the Lola Bunny from the Space Jam isn't sexy anymore. You hear about that, Jake? Oh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, every time something like this happens, there's like the story and then there's like the meta story, like what actually happened or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we were talking about like they're setting impossible standards for sexy bunnies now. Like that's <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so sick. what is the fucking angle? Yeah, so who knows? And by the way, I, this is what I heard. I never thought about this, but these women with the rings back when I was uh, reading about it. <laughs> Jerking off to it? Yeah, when I was reading about it on Pornhub. They, <laughs> apparently, if they take those rings off, they're fucking dead, dude, because they they can't sustain their heads. Oh, with the long their neck just kind of falls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, I'd like to end the question with a down note. <laughs> so this next question, this comes from Nick, and this is, this is a long one, so follow it if you can. Who do you think had the biggest impact in comedy as it relates to creating a change in how people regard language, speech, and the world around them? Jeff Dunham. <laughs> All right, next question. Now, I, I honestly, I got this question, and I'm like, I don't know if I believe that the comics have that much power that one can impact language, speech, and the whole world. I think at best, maybe they influence other comics, which yeah. maybe in the grand scheme of things might change the way society thinks just because there's so many comedians that have been influenced by another comedian or whatever. But so if I just have to answer this off the top of my head, I would say for better or for worse, I would say Bill Hicks. And the reason I say for better or for worse is because he obviously did have a lot of brilliant ideas, but then he also, the way he influenced a lot of comics led to a lot of comics that don't have the chops just trying to be incredibly aggressive without having <laughs> any kind of funny to back it up with you know what i'm saying yeah. yeah so that would be my guess is bill hicks he did influence he had very great ideas and shit like that but also I'll, i mean how many fucking open micers have you seen that just fucking lose it and start screaming at the audience they're like dude maybe they're not digging you just because you suck you know what i mean it's not that yeah. you're being very controversial you're just not that good what do you think jake I mean, the obvious answer is George Carlin because he was so into the linguistic yeah. stuff and that uh, he was also pretty influential and like is a comedian who actually went toe to toe with the, you know, the state on some level with like Supreme Court yeah. shit or whatever. But I think fundamentally, you're probably right, Carlos, because like what people get wrong when they talk about this is, is kind of the the direction that the arrows move between comedian and society. Like, people like to imagine the comedian is changing things, but I think what a comedian is is the end result of a bunch of shit that already happened. You're just, like, commenting on all this crazy shit that bubbles up from society, in my opinion, as a, yeah. some dumbass, right? So, no, right. for that reason, my answer so. is... Um, Earthquake. <laughs> All right. right on. Well, he uh, he was uh, earth shattering. <laughs> come on, come on. I mean, I just a little bit, right? I gotta get something. Uh, who knew you could name yourself Earthquake? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was just reserved for uh, wrestlers. My favorite malt beverage. Oh yeah, that's right. Fucking Bobby over here used to be an alcoholic, and he would get 
earthquake at the gas station. It was how, how much alcohol was that shit? It was like, oh, Jesus Christ. There's like 24 ounce can of 12% alcohol malt beverage for a dollar fifty. Jesus. <laughs> oh shit! And yeah. it was sponsored by Earthquake the comedian, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was he was branding before it was cool. Yeah, it was next to another malt liquor called Bruce Bruce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and Hamburg. <laughs> yeah, it was next, right next to the Hamburg. Yeah, yeah. I, I only got Def Jam themed drinks at that time in my life. <laughs> How about Ian? Do you have an opinion of this? I'm, I'm guessing you're going with Josh Gogan again. I mean, I'm probably going to say the most avant-garde comic of our day, the great Dane Cook, right? Uh, All right. You always go with Dane Cook. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Why do do I even ask? All right. uh, This last question, Christina asks, would you allow your lips to be replaced with a butthole? And now I say no, because I see no upside to this. <laughs> I think it's a very basic question that I don't know who would answer. I mean, I know the funnier answer is yes, but I, I take these questions very seriously. <laughs> is there a way to monetize this? And okay, is... of course. That's the other <laughs> yes. thing. That Ian, Ian always looks at how you can. Yeah, if you if you're looking at it from monetizing perspective, then oh hell yeah, you can monetize this. I mean, shit. one man yeah. freak show that may play. Who, who knows? That's like, yeah, you're getting a blowjob and anal at the same time. Well, think about this place. So this, this <laughs> translates to you could be potentially a millionaire with assholes for, for lips, or you could have your fancy regular lips, but then you're just average guy working a day job. So I don't know. It you, starts to look a little more attractive when you think about the economics of it. I mean, you, you can look around and see some, some people that have had some botched surgeries in, uh, <laughs> in LA. They, they kind of look like they did have that procedure. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I mean, it's a little tempting because I think where Ian's going with this is if you make enough money off of your own personal freak show that you start, you can just get surgery on your face to then turn your face back normal in theory. Um, but like, I also know a Twilight Zone premise when I hear it. Like, this is a Faustian deal. That's, <laughs> That's right. This person just trying to pitch as a pilot here. <laughs> But, but though, you know, you bring up a good, uh, I fucking, I can't, concept? Let's just go with concept, uh, Jake. Yeah, okay, you make a lot of money with the butthole lips, right? But then <laughs> you make so much money that you can get the surgery, and then you can get regular lips. But then what, though, Jake? Yeah. You're, you're a normal person now, man. Yeah, you're nobody wants to talk to you anymore, and you're going to be going back. You're considered yeah. a has-been. Right. You've already peaked. I, I give you two years before you commit, you commit suicide or try to get that reversed. <laughs> yeah, you try to get it back because you are filled with a vague ennui of what life used to be like when it was dangerous and yeah. interesting. You don't know the butthole lips you got till they're gone, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Rolling Stones song. All right, guys, we're going to move on to our second segment of the podcast. This is Indecorous News. This is a segment where we highlight the most important news happening across the United States and all over the world. After you listen to the segment, you will never have to listen to another newscast ever again in your entire life. So this is the first uh, headline, and I got this straight from the... I try to go straight to the source. Ian submitted this story, but every time that somebody submits a story, I try to go to like as deep to the source. So I got this from build.de, which is a German website, news website, and here's the headline, as they put it, Drug Death After Sex, Chief Doctor is Set to Have Killed Lovers with a Coke Penis. 
Nobody suspected what the, quote, outstanding medic was doing behind closed doors. Ooh, I like how dramatic the German newspapers are with their <laughs> headlines. I'm, I'm a big, big fan. So, Ian, you can tell us a little bit more about this story. All right. In 2018, 42-year-old head physician Andreas Niederbichier was apparently looking for a special kick. He was said to have secretly administered cocaine to at least four women during oral sex, apparently on his penis. During an investigation, the Crippo came across several of his sex partners. By the way, Can the you... Crippo is what they call the police in Germany. I looked this up. It kind of <laughs> sounds like a gang. It sounds like a slur. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like the Crippo. Like, I mean, to me, it sounds like a gang. Like that's who's fucking monitoring sex crimes in Germany. But it stands for criminal police. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So senior public prosecutor... Hog Rockenbuck said the injured parties who have been questioned stated that they felt sick at the meeting. All of them showed reactions that can be traced back to the use of narcotics. What was this meeting they were at? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, uh, okay, again, I should explain some of this. This is what I do sometimes. I go to the straight to the source, but it was in German, so I just did Google Translate. Oh, you translate so, it back. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So God knows what the actual... It's probably it's, like encounter or something. Yeah, it makes yeah. it more fun this way. Exactly. Yeah, I, li I like meeting better. This is, yeah, that's right. So yeah, so let's go with meeting. All right. The woman unanimously explained to the criminal investigators that they were giving him oral sex at the request of the chief physician. From this, the investigators concluded that Nitterbichier gave them the drug through his penis. Yeah, so... This is the thing about this particular part of the story is I don't see how you get, oh, these women felt kind of like they've been given narcotics and the cops were like, ah, oh, yeah, he probably gave it to his dick. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you jump to that conclusion. I don't know how, I mean, how much like drugs can you fit on your dick that you're able to, to get the police involved in? <laughs> Right. That's, yeah. I mean, and, and there's going to be more details, but that is a good question. I mean, and first of all, he's doing it against their knowledge. I mean, I don't know. How, how do you hide that the coke on your dick? Maybe I just don't know enough about. Well, when you whip your dick out, you just go, oh, you, by the way, I have a very powdery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very dry. <laughs> I'm a quarter Pillsbury. You know, it's normal. There you go. Well, that explains that. Hey, Bobby, you can do this next. This will bring up a few more details into the play. Right. Uh, Dr. Niederbickler, an expert in plastic aesthetic and hand surgery, took over the post of chief physician at a clinic in Saxony-Anhalt in 2016. Before his closed-door activities came to light, the management was happy with his performance, and he was considered an excellent doctor that probably wouldn't put coke on his dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he was hired. Uh, everything was cool until a 38-year-old blue-eyed hairdresser that sometimes liked to paint one of her nails a different color than the other ones collapsed in his apartment. She was transported unconscious to the neighboring intensive care unit and died shortly afterwards. So I know he's probably going to face some time for this crime, I'm assuming, but maybe it's worth it because this does give him some bona fide bragging rights. My dick was so big, I was able to get so much cocaine on it that I put a bitch down. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, that yeah, that was my original question. Was yeah. like, how are you going to put any coke when you only have like an inch and a half of real estate? I mean, right? Is it, am I right, fellas? That's what, that's how, what I say. I say am I right, fellas? <laughs> All right. Well, Yvonne M., that's the name of the hairdresser, died of a cocaine overdose after she sucked Dr. Niederbiker's coke dick in his home, unaware he had laced his man rod with the sweet powder of the gods. 
friends of hers told the court in Magdeburg, northwest of Halberstadt. Hey, I mean, that's where JT got his name. <laughs> I knew JT's dick tasted weird. Yeah. <laughs> that explains yeah. so much. It's too solid. A motherfucker lied to me. Yeah, <laughs> friends of hers told the court that she had met the surgeon online and that they had been having an affair for some time. Yvonne had even hinted that she intended to leave her husband for Dr. Niederbickler, but though she loved blowing the guy, she probably didn't love it enough to want to die from blowing him. <laughs> So I don't know, I guess he just got cocky, no pun intended, obviously, but <laughs> put a little too, like he, he just kept pushing. That's the problem when you start putting coke on your dick. It's never enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like you always want yeah. some more coke to put on your dick. <laughs> the worst part of when you run out of the coke on the dick is that afterwards you end up just licking the bag. Well, according to reports, the court found it proven that Niederbickler had put cocaine on his foreskin before having vaginal, anal, and oral sex with three women between September 2015 and February 2018. So this dude, it wasn't just the oral, he was just putting it on his dick whenever. See, what here's a, you guys tell me, because I've always lived a very Christian life, but I've always heard <laughs> cocaine dick is a thing. Coke dick, like, you can't get hard. Is that not right? Yeah, that's uh, that's probably accurate. So the, pro <laughs> so the mistake that people are making is by snorting it up their nose. What they need to do is just put it straight up on their dick. Yeah, this sounds like he, you're right. And that means that he wasn't even on cocaine while he was doing this with cocaine. It's, it's kind of like those dealers that like, you know, you just sell it, but you don't fucking consume the product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, that yeah. makes this a lot weirder. But this actually makes well, a lot more sense that he was fucking them because, like, drugs in general, if you, I learned this as a young man on a website called Eerowid, but, like, if you take any drug <laughs> and boof it or put it in a pussy or whatever, like, it, it just hits way harder because it's not having to go through all this, like, membranes and shit that are in other parts of your body. So if you fuck somebody with a coke dick, yeah, you're going to give them a cocaine overdose. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right, dude. Because I, I didn't even remember that. But I didn't think about that. But um... wasn't it a thing? I mean, it might still be a thing that uh, the kids were uh, putting tampons up their asses with vodka and shit because they could just fucking hit you harder that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Booty bumping, yeah. I've heard. Yeah. But still, I mean, how... Like, Okay, so he was putting it on his foreskin. I mean, what, did he have a fucking eight ball under his foreskin? How big is this foreskin <laughs> that he was able to, to get that in? It's, it sounds like he accidentally bought fentanyl. That's <laughs> what it sounds like. I'm going to have to recuse myself from this because <laughs> I don't have a foreskin, sadly. Yet another reason why circumcision is savage. You can't, <laughs> yeah. you, how am I supposed to hide coke on my dick if I don't have a foreskin? <laughs> Well, prosecutors added that he would secretly add the drug into the drinks of women in a bit to make them more compliant to his sexual requests. Okay. See, that's another thing I didn't know. I didn't know women became more compliant when you gave them coke. He was then sentenced to nine years in jail and was recently ordered to pay a total of 28,500 euros to the dead woman's husband and son to cover funeral costs and as a restitution for fucking their wife slash mom to death. <laughs> So he has to put that in the four section for every check. Any <laughs> yeah. sense? I bet, like in the courtroom, he's like uh, twenty-eight thousand hours. I right, hold on, hold on. He just starts sort of, like reaching into his foreskin. That's ah, in here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah will, you, will you accept Coke instead? I give you twenty-eight thousand worth of Coke. Yeah, there's a rolled-up dollar bill in here. Do you want cash or product? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's like old, like eighties comedian Booker Pay. It's like, you want coke or cash? <laughs> now, so this not that the fucking dude is not guilty because he is, but the thing is, this woman, according to her friends, she was ready to leave her husband. She was cheating on her husband and apparently telling her friends, you know, I'm ready to get with coke doctor over here, and then. Dude ends up killing her, and then this dude ends up having to pay the husband of the woman. So I think, you know, it's kind of like poetic justice there a little bit, even though nine years seems kind of a little short for fucking actually killing somebody. Yeah, but, maybe he consulted his attorney beforehand, and that was just worth it for him to get out of the situation. <laughs> yeah. It's a little cuck justice, actually, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, finally some cuck justice. All right, we're going to go to our second story. The second story, the headline is a lion named Mufasa has died after electro-ejaculating to make a baby Simba. And I'll be honest with you guys, this story is not that interesting, except that I just really liked the term electro-ejaculating. <laughs> so that's the only reason I put it in here is because I just really like saying electro-ejaculating. But I'll start off. The African lion cub was born at the Singapore Zoo. Simba was conceived after keepers and veterinarians collected semen from his father Mufasa through electro-ejaculation, a process used in breeding programs and research. This And I imagine fucking Marilyn Manson has one of these things in a fucking <laughs> layer or whatever. <laughs> the semen was then shot up the vagina hole of lioness named Kayla, who was identified as an ideal candidate for the assisted pregnancy as she was a, quote, proven breeder that loved taking loads. So, yeah, so that's the basic story. It's like a little baby cub lion was born in the Singapore Zoo. And that's actually the story. Like Vice, I saw that this, the original source of this was Vice. And the story was, oh, look, there's a cute little baby cub was born. And everybody's all happy. But buried in the story was that, oh, yeah, and then the dad died from electro-ejaculation. So I think we need <laughs> to bring these stories to the fore here on the podcast. This is all we need is cops with tasers finding out that you can make somebody ejaculate by electrocuting them. <laughs> I mean, considering the alternative of what they've been doing, I guess yeah. this is a little bit better. Yeah. This is the ultimate it's, it's guy doing like, what you love. We're just going to get a lot of stories of cops making black dudes come. <laughs> well, hopefully that's not the headline. <laughs> or or it's, it sounds like some outreach program where they were given back. <laughs> To the community? Yeah, this, oh, that's terrible. This is how they compensate for all the bad that they've done. <laughs> all right, well, you can do the, the next. Right. Uh, unlike his namesake, Simba will never get to know his father. Mufasa died at 20 years old after the electro-ejaculation procedure. His deteriorating health was a key factor, said a guy trying to deflect from the fact that they had just jerked off a lion to death. Uh, <laughs> African lions have an average lifespan of 10 to 14 years, so Mufasa was old as fuck. During his lifetime, Mufasa was unable to produce any children because of his, quote, aggressive behavior that failed to bring about successful pairings with any lionesses, hence why they had to do the whole jerking to electric jizzaloo. Wait, okay, so the lion was an incel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That's so sad. Yeah, so that's why they have to yeah. fucking connect his dick to some fucking prods. Yeah, he was a very problematic lion. <laughs> I mean, I'm picturing some sort of a electric prostate massage kind of situation. I need to know what this is because I may need to try this myself. Yeah, of course you're picturing <laughs> yeah. this. 
I, my question is, this has got to be like an endangered species. Couldn't they just let this motherfucker die? <laughs> like, why yeah. they do this to him? Yeah, you're absolutely right. This better be an endangered species. Otherwise, these zookeepers are just kinky as fuck. But I guess this is like a pretty cool way to die if you are the lion. <laughs> yeah, that is right. This guy's been going to be it, showing off in lion heaven. It also sounds like a threat, too. Like, I'll shock the jizz out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. yeah, you can close it out. The tiny spotted lion cub has already won the hearts of many Singaporeans who gush about how adorable he is. Super excited, would love to meet Simba. So cute, one user commented on a Facebook video. Hakuna Matamba Simba, you will grow into a gorgeous boy, another person wrote. Fuck you, you killed our dad, wrote podcasting legend Carlos Valencia. I said you killed your dad. Well, he just fucked up Hakuna Matata. You think he's going to get yeah, that part right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, Ian, how do you not know Hakuna Matata? <laughs> it actually explains a lot. All right, we're going to go now into our indecorous deep dive. We build this show as an educational comedy podcast. We often fall short of the latter, but we always deliver on the former. This week's deep dive was written by Ian, and it's a long one, but it's worth it because we are talking about the and decorous history of the Republican Party. And actually, I did read through the whole thing before I put it on the script here. And to an extent, it's also for at least half of it, it's the indecorous history of the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'll start it off. If you ask most young Democrats today what the Republican Party stands for, they will tell you racism, baby Jesus, and fucking over the poor. And while that may be what the modern Republican Party stands for today, you may be surprised to learn that the party was originally founded to stop the spread of slavery from Abraham Lincoln to the KKK to QAnon. This is the dark history of the Republican Party. And like I said, half of it is at least dark history of the Democratic Party. But Ian, you can elaborate a little bit more on that. All right. Contrary to what many may assume, Republican Party isn't the result of a satanic conjuring ritual triggered by the Koch brothers, 69ing. It was actually founded in 1854 by a northern anti-slavery activist, and then rose to prominence in 1860 with the election of Abraham Lincoln, most famous for being America's first vampire hunter president. <laughs> Shortly after he was elected, the country went into civil war over the issue of slavery, and surprisingly, the Republicans are on the right side of the issue. How many people do you think don't know about this? Because I, I know this, but it's also because I'm oh, very active yelling at Trumpers on Facebook. So they love bringing this shit up. They love bringing up that the Republican Party was anti-slavery. And I'm always like, yeah, fucking 150 years ago, dude. Like if, like if that's what you're going by, then you should put all your college football bets on Yale because they were killing it in 1902. Right? If nothing's changed since then, then yeah, just do that. Put all your money on Yale and Harvard to win the national football championship. Like, Jake, you do a political podcast. In your experience, do you think most people know this shit or most people still don't? I think the way I would put it is that a lot of people know this, but barely anybody understands this. That's a great way to put it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're right. In the, lately, enough dumbass Facebook Republican types have been able to dig this up as trivia, but nobody understands the whole story, because if they did, it would be a meaningless point, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I'll let you keep going, Ian. All right. The outcome of the Civil War was twofold. The Emancipation Proclamation Act freed the slaves, and Southern state losers created the Confederate flag. 
which even today helps us to easily identify giant pieces of shit and make fun of them. That's another thing, too, is that as much as I hate that flag, it does serve one purpose, is that you <laughs> identify who the dumbass is. It, yeah. It's also been keeping Myrtle Beach afloat for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Half of Myrtle Beach economy is just yeah. based on rebel yeah. flags. Dave Stone used to have a bit of something like that. It's like, you never see a Confederate flag bumper sticker on a Mercedes or a BMW. <laughs> yeah. It has to be a pickup that's at least 10 years old. Like, I feel about that, like, way back in the day when, uh, you remember when Bluetooth headsets first came out and these fucking assholes that would never take them off, and it was such a douchey thing to do. But then I was like, yeah, on the other side of it, well, now I know who I don't want to talk to, you know, yep. who I don't want to associate with is the guy with the little blinking blue light on his ear. If it's literally a red flag, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> So shortly after the war, Republicans in Congress passed the 13th and 14th Amendment to increase the voting power of African-Americans from being three-fifths of a person to being a whole person. To this day, many modern Republicans, this is their biggest regret. Yeah, it is funny, though, that it took a, a political amendment or a law to make a human being whole. It sounds something like <laughs> yeah. like a fucking genetic biologist would have to do, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? And, and you know, they are at the state level really trying to purge a good 40% of these people off the voter rolls. So they are, uh, yeah, they're trying to take it back. Yeah, just this uh, week that in, uh, in Georgia, didn't they just pass some shit where they're yeah, trying dude. to, yeah, dude, that's yeah. fucking, yeah. they're still trying. They're, yeah, they're trying to bring back that three-fifths. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, so. Even though African-Americans were freed and granted voting rights, it did not make them equal in the eyes of Southern Democrats. Yeah, that was like the one bipartisan issue back in the day when, you know, they were all pieces of shit. Yeah. Uh, so starting in the late 1800s, segregation became the law of the land and water fountain and toilet manufacturers doubled their business in a suspicious move that suggests they may have been the ones pulling the strings of segregation all along. Yeah, yeah and you've mentioned this before, but I think it makes sense. You know, it's like, oh, all of a sudden we got to make uh, two water yeah. fountains. <laughs> Yeah. The era from the late 1870s until the mid-1900s, commonly known as the Jim Crow era, was named after a derogative term used for African-Americans. Folklore depicts the character Jim Crow as a comically, physically disabled African-American slave. Starting around the 1820s, white minstrels wearing full blackface popularized a banger called Jump Jim Crow, where they would do a little jig and mispronounce a bunch of words in a racist little song. One of the chorus lines was... And utter day I hit a man, the man was mighty fat. I hit so hard I knocked him into an old cocked hat. Okay. Bang. Fucking yeah, slaps. But this also shows me that uh, it didn't take much to entertain people back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> the bar was oh, loose. Yeah, I don't even get what the day okay, so you fucking knocked the fat dude and he fell on his hat? Fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah yeah that was like the tiktok of its day yeah yeah uh, that's, that was all the right that went viral yeah so in 1896 the supreme court case plessy versus ferguson handed down the famous separate but equal verdict striking a federal win for segregation while southern democrats swiftly enacted jim crow laws to enforce racial segregation northern republicans sat mostly on the sidelines and were quiet to this day, most modern Democrats wish Republicans would have stayed that way. Yeah. It's, uh, Ian, you wrote this, so I'm asking you. So the Republicans just basically allowed this to happen. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Republicans were, by and large, 
the northern part of the country and Democrats were the southern part of the country. So yeah. this was really split on the, we have slaves down here, we don't have slaves up here. That's how it was kind of divided mostly. So it's like, it's not our problem. Not our problem. We don't give a fuck. I haven't read enough about it to have an intelligent opinion about this, but that's never stopped me before. So <laughs> what, I, what I hear is that after Lincoln was killed, Andrew Johnson took over and he was kind of a, just like a dick. He really wasn't into the whole, hey, let's be progressive about this shit. And that's where it fucking stalled. And that's where he, the post-war era was such a fucking disaster. Yeah, not to, I'm not going to do my whole soapbox or whatever. I have a five-part series on my podcast kind of about this, if anyone's oh. mega interested. but Yeah, I, 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 I'm yeah. interested, dude. Something that uh, is kind of written out of the history books that's really interesting about the beginning of all this, like before Lincoln got arrested, is that there was a man named John Brown, who there's a pretty fun TV show about right now, who was like a hardcore abolitionist, anti-racist, white guy, one-man army, and he fucking did crazy shit and, like, raided a compound and all this shit, and uh, he sort of catalyzed this huge movement that was happening, right? And so, Mm -hmm. what's interesting is he was pretty much the only, he represented a a kind of sliver of abolitionists at the time before Lincoln was elected who actually respected black people and thought that they were equal humans and stuff like that and wanted to, like, abolish slavery, and what Lincoln was, and what the Republican Party was, I think the key to understanding like why they eventually turned into what they are is like Lincoln was the moderate on the slavery issue. So he was like doing kind of both sides of the aisle shit where he was like, listen, listen, everyone. I don't think they're people, but we got to do something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Lincoln was actually pretty racist. It's kind of funny because he's like, yeah, he's one of the better presidents, but he's still, he was part of like a movement to like send all the slaves like just back to Africa and shit. Like they weren't actually cool. So they were basically like forming a popular political party to absorb enough of the abolitionist movement without having to like seed ground to it. So they basically, they were kind of like co-opting the extremists. Exactly, yeah. Um, okay. Another, like, a, the opposite of this is kind of FDR kind of did the same thing with socialists because he was worried that socialists were actually going to have a revolution in America. So he's like, okay, I'll do the New Deal and it'll do, like, kind of half of that, you know? Right. And this is historically how they sort of absorb those movements. So then that's a starting point for the Republican Party, right? So you can see it then sort of devolve backwards into, yeah. all right, fuck it, we got we got rid of the, the extremists, you know? That's very... And I think that's just something that happens pretty regularly among in history where you throw the... what In that point... What's funny is that John Brown in that section is called extremist, where that's just the norm. Yeah, it's now. crazy. You know, yeah. they, back then they were called extremists. Now it's just like, what? You, if you disagree with what the extremists believe, then you're a fucking asshole, racist. <laughs> so now it's obviously the norm. So that's why I appreciate because when you talk, when you said you, were, you did a thing with John Brown, it's like because I, I dig John Brown, but I, I'm not well read about it. So I was afraid. Oh no! Please don't ruin John Brown for me because no, I, no, I he, he rules. If okay. you're ever okay. really bored, I read a really huge, like 500 page book on him for my podcast. But it's a pretty good read, and like, there's kind of no way around the fact that he's also like he's cool, but he's all he's a lunatic. That was right, a crazy right. person. <laughs> Those are the coolest so, ones. But he's a cool lunatic. What I took out of that, Jake, is did you guys hear that Ian and Bobby? He read a 500 page book for the podcast. <laughs> Would it kill you guys to maybe read five? Five pages of anything ever. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I'll do the next thing. It says, During the Jim Crow era, Southern Evangelical Christians thought eugenics 
and promoted the idea that God marked black people darker to make it clear that they should be servants. The KKK ran rampant while the United Daughters of the Confederacy spent millions to erect Confederate monuments and popularize the Confederate flag to intimidate and disenfranchise African Americans. Future generations brainwashed by the, quote, lost cause got the cute slogan, quote, it's heritage, not hate, from these efforts. So, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's it's heritage, but it's a fucking heritage of hate. Like, I don't know yeah. how that's a fucking excuse for what you're doing. I just want to point out that in 2021, I feel like the term daughter of the Confederacy would be a good slang term for white chicks that only date black guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be actually a good Pornhub segment, the daughters of yeah. the Confederacy. <laughs> Meanwhile, in 1919, the Republican-controlled 66th Congress passed the 19th Amendment guaranteeing women the right to vote. And in 1924, the Republican-controlled 68th Congress and President Calvin Coolidge granted citizenship to Native Americans. So while the Republicans were on a progressive trajectory that would make Bernie Sanders look like Ayn Rand, the Democrats of the early 1900s were actively members of the KKK. Democratic Governor George Wallace, who coined the famous phrase, quote, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. That, that pretty much covers it, right? That's, uh, <laughs> That's all of them. Every, yeah. every period of time. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> he blocked black students from entering white schools in Alabama in 1963, and Senator Robert Byrd, a Democrat from West Virginia and lifelong KKK member, led fellow Democrats in a 57-day filibuster against the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Meanwhile, over 80% of Republicans voted for it. Yeah, so basically, like I said, the first half of this is basically how the fuck did this happen? Because the Democrats just seem like basically, yeah, if you were going to describe the Republicans, you're basically describing Democrats from the from the early years of uh, 20th century and late 19th century. Yeah, dude. And, and I will say, um, it's, it's kind of strange that these Democrat governors were calling in the National Guard with military shit to stop these students from learning. It's like, it's a fucking national emergency. There's going to be a little colored boy that might actually learn something. We got to stop this at all costs. Yeah, plus it's an American public school. They've already got enough challenges when it comes to learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always just find it funny. That, I mean, it still happens to this day where all the, the Southern... Well, I mean, by Southern, I mean mostly Republican because they're mostly Republican. Thank God Georgia flipped, but mostly they're still Republican. They're all about states' rights until it's convenient for them to be about getting the federal government involved. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. States' rights, but also we worship authority. Oh, I mean, that's why it was so easy for there to be this, like, switch that you're talking about. Because these are really, like, in a lot of countries, there is, like, an ideological difference between the, at least, if there even are two main parties, like, the two things that they're arguing about. But these are just two approaches to the same fucking way we do shit here. Yeah, that's a great point, because a lot of countries have, I, I forget what the proper terminology is, but it's more like a representative democracy where it's not winner takes all as much as it's like every party or group gets representation, which also leads to maybe a more chaotic government because people have to form coalitions but at least everybody's got it represented yeah and i mean this is also just like unique to american history or whatever but like a lot of countries have a labor party and then something that resembles our politics which is america is just a fucking hundred percent pro-capitalism and uh that's really the argument that a society is having with itself is whether or not to suck capitalism's dick at all times and what we have <laughs> here with republicans and democrats is just 
how should we suck it? Well, I think it should be sucked this way. <laughs> I think it should be sucked yeah. this way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tickle how the balls while we're sucking. Yeah. yeah. How much cocaine do we need to put on this dick before we suck it? <laughs> yeah. So that's the question then. How and when exactly did the two parties freaky Friday into each other's bodies? Well, in 1948, the Democrats had a civil war when the Northern Democrats promoted civil rights at the Democratic National Convention. As I'm going to guess that Boston was absent from that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, where does Boston pull it? Yeah. <laughs> As a result, the representatives from Mississippi and Alabama threw a hissy fit and walked out of the convention in protest. The events from this convention would later be immortalized in the epic MCU film Captain America Civil War. <laughs> now, I added that part. Uh, I'm not completely sure if that's accurate, but I think it is. So shortly after, the Southern Democrat states created their own adorable little mini party called the Dixiecrats. But they not still, to be confused with the Dixie Chicks, the Dixie Ch or Dixie Cups. <laughs> but they still officially stayed with the Democratic Party until the mid 1960s. The metaphorical halftime, where teens switched sides of the court, came in 1964 as a result of the Civil Rights Act vote. The divide between the North and the South was much greater than the party divide, and both parties became very fragmented afterwards, much like the Avengers in the epic Marvel Cinematic Universe film Captain America Civil War, starring handsome actor Chris Evans and Ghost World's Scarlett Johansson. I wonder if there were as many N-bombs dropped in Captain America Civil War. <laughs> Dude, you gotta get the director's cut, bro. You gotta get the <laughs> If you get the Zack Snyder cut, apparently everything goes. Yeah. I'm just waiting for Captain America Civil War Hard R. <laughs> Actually, and that was the first movie where uh, Black Panther showed up. So, uh, you know, that, that goes to show you, I don't know what point I was trying to make. Make cut. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably I just stopped there because I'm trying not to get canceled before the podcast is over. <laughs> but the thing is, my question about this whole thing, and again, you guys are probably better informed than I am, is what inspired the Northern Democrats to even try this shit? Why did they were like, hey, let's ruffle some feathers here and throw this fucking thing that's going to piss half the party off? Yeah, in retrospect, it was a bad political move because they ultimately lost the Dixiecrats. But I think at the time they were just sort of philosophically... It's the right thing to do. The country right. needs to move forward. That's the thing. Is like the only reasoning I can find behind this is that it's the right thing to do. And I find it so hard to believe that politician would ever do something just because it's the right thing to do. And, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah. not it at all. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, when did they, what? Because they got morals all of a sudden. They realize that this, it's like politicians never do anything that's not going to be beneficial to them somehow politically. So that's the big question I have. I mean, yeah. do you know, Jake, what, what the fuck happened here? Uh, yeah, I mean, with my rudimentary grasp on this from doing a, a podcast as a dumbass comedian about history or whatever, I mean, one thing that I remember kind of reading about that stuck out about this is that, um, so like around this time, basically... But let me, let me interrupt you real quick, Jake. Uh, if this has any spoilers about Captain America Civil War, please say spoiler alert before you... Okay. Yeah, keep going. Fair enough. Uh, as far as I know, I don't think there are any spoilers. Okay, great, great. Uh, but here's a spoiler for you that'll really bum you out. Uh, <laughs> the two parties are very similar in ideology, right? And so it, well, people often think Republicans really stand for this one set of values and the Democrats really stand for another set of values and that they, they sort of duke it out in Congress and that's what our government is. But really what they are is like coalitions like you were describing in like mm -hmm. other governments but that's just they you know what we do is we form a, a coalition of various voting groups and then sort of just like 
absorb them into, you know, yeah. the Democrats and the Republicans. So the coalitions got rearranged, which is why the interests of the parties got rearranged. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are, are a lot of black people in the South that now can vote and have political power around this time. Uh, I see. So the Democrats have to figure there's like Democrats that are losing a lot of elections. And then you've got guys like a young Joe Biden who sort of comes along and is like, mm -hmm. well, if I get enough black communities to vote for me and I string together some of these rednecks and sort of tie it all together in this weird Frankenstein you know, <laughs> message that's just, you know, I mean, you've heard the man talk. He's yeah. just like, yeah, man, you, I hang out with Mousy and Chops and throw dice down in the corner. And then I also go to Raytheon and make a missile, you know, do it all together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> makes right, no right. fucking sense. <laughs> right. And that's how it ties back to Captain America Civil Wars, the missiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> all right. Ian, you can do this next one. All right, the most famous early defector from the Democrats that joined the Republican Party was the mummy himself, Strom Thurmond. If you don't know who he is, you can pick up all you need to know from some of his most famous quotes. All the bayonets of the army cannot force the Negro into our homes, into our schools, our churches, and our places of recreation and amusement. And I have done more for black people than any other person in the nation, north or south. And the white people of the south are the greatest minority in this nation. And... She walks well. She looks good. Let's see how she kisses. And blacks, no thank you. Yeah, I made up that last one, but I figured that's something that he would say. <laughs> I, I feel like I've seen that bumper sticker before. Blacks, yeah, no these... thank you. Yeah, we do live in the South. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these quotes seem eerily familiar. Something in the last maybe four years kind of somehow reminds me of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how shit comes around. I thought these were mm. cake lyrics. <laughs> yeah, right. So Thurman was the governor of South Carolina from 1947 to 1951, a U.S. senator from South Carolina from 1954 to 2003, and a racist from South Carolina from 1902 to 2003. I feel like Strom Thurmond is one of those guys that you can point to to prove there is no God. Yeah. Yeah. He gets 101 years on the planet, you know? <laughs> so in 1964, he switched parties from the Democratic Dixiecrats to the Republican Party. To this day, Thurman owns the record for the longest speaking filibuster by a lone senator at 24 hours and 18 minutes in length. And in case you were wondering, this record-saying filibuster came in opposition to the original Civil Rights Act of 1957, and the number of N-bombs dropped was off the fucking charts. Many who witnessed it begin to think he was doing an impersonation of Ian. Oh, good. God damn it. Yeah, man. man they were like, oh, this is fucking very Ian-esque. So, so I, ha I had to look this one up. And in case you're wondering, they did give him one bathroom break in the 24 hours. Really? That was it. God so this guy damn. literally hated black people more than he liked his fucking bladder. I mean, that's how much hatred he had for African-Americans. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, I guess. What's funny and, I mean, I guess ironic is the first time I ever became a fan of Bernie was when he did a filibuster back in 2010. And, and I don't even remember exactly what he was filibustering, but that's how I became, that's how I, I had no idea who Bernie was before that. But I'm like, like, this is that shit. I'm down <laughs> with this motherfucker. He's just like, I'm going to talk, you know, I'm going to fucking delay this. And eventually whatever it was that he was protesting passed, because that's the thing you can only fucking, it's like those competitions where you got to keep your hand on the truck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the last person that, yeah. So, you know, eventually somebody's going to fucking fall off and, Somebody's going to get the truck. I'm not very good with analogies, but that's basically <laughs> what I compute Bernie to is 
That's how I that's that's how I learned to love Bernie. But my point, I guess, is that here's the opposite side of the spectrum doing the same thing. Yeah, dude. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that were like, "Oh yeah, fuck yeah, Strom Thurmond, you gotta stay strong for the white power and shit." I would imagine Bernie Sanders doing a hands on a hard body, but it's for like, I'm going to win the fuck out of this reasonable Toyota Tercel. <laughs> it gets great gas mileage. Power steering yeah. is overrated. His wife's like doing pinup shit on the hood. She's 75 years old. <laughs> on the voter side, there was massive political realignment in the country based on Southern white anger towards the civil rights movement. So in 1964, Republican candidate for president Barry Goldwater's campaign launched Operation Dixie, later renamed the Southern Strategy. In this strategy, he appealed to white Southern racists by loudly voicing his contempt for, quote, the Negro and colorfully reminding everyone that he voted against the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Goldwater ditched the dog whistle and went full N-bomb on the campaign trail, and as a result of his efforts, he won five deep South states. But he lost the general election because being a completely open racist piece of shit didn't play well in the North and West. But in a race to the bottom to court Southern white racists, the Republicans got there first, and all the Dixiecrat voters defected en masse after that. So one of the most prominent Republican political strategists of all of the time, Lee Atwater, who helped Reagan and Bush one get elected, gave the game away with his shocking confession about the evolution of the Southern strategy from the 1950s to the 1980s. And of course, again, Ian gave me this to read. So if anybody has a problem with this, Ian wrote this. <laughs> Copied and pasted somebody. this. At the end of the day, it's like, even if you're quoting somebody, you still get blamed. So I'm quoting... The person that wrote this, which was Ian. Oh, we're like one step away from blaming every actor that ever took a racist role. <laughs> yeah, Ed Norton, you know, we're going for you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So this is the quote from Lee Atwater. I, I don't know if I've ever premised something this much before reading it. <laughs> Go on. It quotes. You guys heard that part, right? Quotes? All right. You start out in 1954 by saying, nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger. That hurts you. It backfires. So you say stuff like forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. And you're getting so abstract, now you're talking about cutting taxes, and all these things you're talking about are totally economic things, and a byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites. Quote, we want to cut this. It's much more abstract than even the busing thing, and a hell of a lot more abstract than nigger, nigger. So now that I've gotten through that, that was an end quote. I should say end quote. I just heard all of that in Dave Chappelle's voice. Oh yeah, thank God. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. all, that that was Dave Chappelle saying all that. We fucking brought him in just to do and, that. And Carlos one, so. is a minority, just for the listeners that don't know and can't tell by his name. Yeah, yeah right. Next okay, paragraph. so by 1968, Richard Nixon improved on Goldwater's Southern strategy by toning down the racist rhetoric to make it more palatable to those that were racist but didn't like advertising it. Instead of talking about, quote, the Negro as a second-class citizen like Goldwater did, he used code words like law and order, silent majority, anti-busting, and democratic-controlled cities. Today's Republican voters prefer their dog whistles more dumbed down when referring to Latino immigrants using terms like bad hombre, rapist gang members, and Carlos Valencia. Because <laughs> <laughs> Carlos is a bad hombre. Uh, oh, I am a bad hombre. But so basically, they were smart enough to know that we got to tone it down. But people that we know 
are still going to get what we're talking about. Yeah, keep keep the foot on the gas. Just don't go 100 miles an hour. You know yeah. what this reminds me of? Did you guys ever watch that Zach Galifianakis uh, live from the Purple Onion? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't he have a bit on there where he talks about how his either was his uncle or something ran for office in North Carolina? He's from North Carolina. And he had to run against Jesse Helms. <laughs> and then Jesse Helms basically started doing ads about how I forget the exact wording, but it was like, don't you want to vote for one of us without saying, oh, Jesus Christ. yeah, oh, like man. basically subtly hinting that, hey, this guy's name, flack, 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 flack. I don't know what that's all about. I'm Jesse Helms. <laughs> don't you want one of us represent? And basically that's what he did. He played the race card or the immigrant xenophobic card. Yeah. And that's how he beat Zach Galifianakis' uncle or whatever. You know, I think something that's, uh, for obvious reasons, lost in the background of the story of the Ku Klux Klan is, uh, aside from their main thing, they also really hated Catholics. And a lot of that had to do with so many ethnicities were coming into America that were Catholic and they were just were like, oh, we're just going to be taken over by like... Uh, I yeah, tell like it's. <laughs> I, I guess that doesn't, doesn't quite graft onto the Galifianakis thing because I don't know if Greeks are Catholic, but this is like the whiteness that these people are signaling is a really specific Protestant weird group of American middle class people that feel entitled yeah. to everything. So that also I think is kind of interesting, is it or kind of important rather. Is that you'll notice that in that impeccable quote that you delivered, Carlos? The, the guy, what was it? What was it, Jake? Can you just can you repeat it actually for us? No, I didn't I was, get it. I, I forgot what it was, Jake. Can you say it? Uh, we'll, fucking, we'll, we'll put that in between your farts. Yeah, this, there's a part in the quote where he says that he thinks that what he's saying causes the black person to get hurt less, and like. Yeah, these people are hella racist, but they also believe that, like, being hella racist, like, this thing that they're doing, they think actually is less racist. So they think, like, in a long yeah. game, it's like, no, 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 well, you know, people are supposed yeah, to be in this I, hierarchy or whatever. Yeah. I'm abusing you to make you tougher. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, and it goes back to that whole manifest destiny type of shit where it's like white people telling themselves, we're just doing God's work here. Right. It's, it's, it's not racist. It, this is the way it's supposed to be. We're like, the chosen should... people we have. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And the same thing, like you mentioned earlier, Jake, when they were sending like black people to Liberia, they were like, this is good for you. We're doing you a favor. We're like actually sending you to a place that where you're going to be better off or whatever. Like it's almost... Like, they're finding justifications for their racism to feel better about themselves. Yeah, it's weird, because racists often don't identify as racist. They just, they think that right. they're doing the actual not racist right. thing, and that everyone else is crazy. But, but like, they object, this is objectively hella racist. And that you can usually tell that they're not racist, because they'll often say, hey, I'm not racist. That's right, that's right. That, yeah. that, you can always tell somebody's not racist by how they tell you that they are not racist. Yeah, also when they use that word you used about three or four five times in a row and one <laughs> what, what word was that jake <laughs> i don't know i forgot <laughs> anti-blessing I, I always forget about your problems with short-term memory jake <laughs> yeah it's crazy and when you're out there you know what you said actually made me think and this might be out of nowhere and totally out of place but we were talking about how these parties co-opt 
maybe the KKK does the same thing. Maybe they like, hey, if we're going to grow this thing, well, we're going to have to uh, get a little more flexible about letting Catholics in as long as they're white. Well, no, dude, that's exactly <laughs> what they do because it, yeah. we had the KKK back in the day and now you have like the Proud Boys and their whole thing is like, oh, we got a black Cuban guy to be our leader. So we, <laughs> that's right. You know, we're not fucking racist. <laughs> right. like, you just start including more people in this thing that's ultimately racist. But Exactly. It's like all factions from across the spectrum do this. Shit. Yeah, cops. Cops love doing that shit. I, I, yeah. I get off my soapbox. I got I got this Candace Owens speech tattooed on my arm. <laughs> Can't be racist. Today that, that was just Bobby showing off. By the way, that was not him <laughs> yeah, trying to yeah, be exactly. funny or anything. <laughs> just my first tattoo. I'm just sharing with you guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, today's modern Republican Party basically started with Richard Nixon. His disastrous economic policies, coined Nixonomics, were a misguided attempt to cure mild inflation by freezing wages for the working poor and middle class. You could have called it Deconomics. That would have been fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, I like that better. Yeah. Uh, even worse, Nixon ended the gold standard that tied the dollar's value to gold. The financial uncoupling shot the price of gold up from around $30 per ounce to $120 per ounce. Meanwhile, the dollar tanked, inflation hit 10%, and unemployment hit 12%. The recession continued all the way through the late 1970s. Speaking for racist Southerners in support of Nixon, Leonard Skinner's hit song Sweet Home Alabama contains the infamous line, Watergate doesn't bother me. But it apparently bothered federal authorities, and President Richard Nixon was forced to resign from office in disgrace in 1974 for his role in attempted election fuckery, leaving the country in economic ruins for the next two administrations to try to unfuck. All right, Ian. So this gives you some real insight into the psyche of these Southerners. Like, Exhibit A, here's a cocksucker that subverted our democracy and got caught. Exhibit B, yeah, but does he hate people of color? So Watergate doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. And that, that, that was the calculus a lot of these people made. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, I was just listening to, I forget what the podcast was. Maybe it was Slow Burn or something. They did a whole thing about Watergate. And it's just funny. And again, this goes back to what I was saying before. It's just like, we don't live long enough lives to realize that this shit we're living through right now has already happened before. But it was amazing hearing people being interviewed about when Watergate was going on. Their Nixon supporters being like, ah, this is all the media. They're making all this shit up. And I was like, what? This is like, you could just interpose that shit to Trump and it would just, it would fit right in exactly. And I remember just, I mean, even going further back than that, I remember I read Mark Twain's first volume autobiography. And I don't actually, I'm not sure if it's autobiography Wait. or just a biography. Wasn't it just the N word three times? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I read the, it the until I, and then I canceled. If it. you say it three times, Mark Twain appears. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that, that's, that's a puff of fucking hair. But yeah, he's talking about actually, you know, this kind of goes back to that question that we had. Remember when the pot started seven hours ago? The question about comedians. Mark Twain, they, they have some of his, he just did like one man shows. But it was almost like stand-up because it was funny and he was commenting on things that were going on at this time. And a lot of the shit that he was talking about, he was, I think he was criticizing Teddy Roosevelt for some interventionism. And I was like, God damn, so much of this shit applies to what George Bush, too, was doing during the Iraq war. This Because this is way back when I was reading it. But yeah, my point is that all this shit repeats itself so much and it just keeps going. But Ian, I'll let you go ahead. and. All right. So Nixon's resignation may have been a setback, but the Republican Party was just getting warmed up. By the late 1970s and early 1980s, evangelicals like motherfucking Jerry Fodwell and Pat Robertson aligned themselves with the Republican Party. 
Under Reagan, we got a look at the new playbook, which was to keep quietly race baiting using terms like welfare queen to refer to African-Americans, while also courting evangelicals with talk of family values and the moral majority. The combination proved to be a hit, and the Gipper enjoyed two consecutive terms where he rolled out his disastrous trickle-down economic policy, later coined Reaganomics, that put the country into debt $7 trillion and benefited the wealthy while fucking over the poor. In the early 1980s, Republicans championed the idea of deregulating the savings and loan industry. So in 1982, Reagan signed SNL deregulation to law claiming, I think we hit the jackpot, and dubbed the law the Emancipation Proclamation for America's Savings Institutions. So I'm sure you're, you're wondering, sitting at the edge of your seat, how did that play out? Did it crush it like they foreshadowed? Well, within seven years, the thrift industry was in ruins, destroyed by hundreds of billions of dollars in losses stemming from wild speculation of shaky investments, executive self-dealing, outright looting, and fraud, all caused by deregulation. The federal government had to step in and bail out the industry to the tune of $125 billion. This set in place a recession that lasted into the early 1990s. Could you imagine if we had enough regulation in place to where it only cost us $125 billion to correct these things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the good old days. I got. Yeah. I have. A, I have had 125 billion uh, under my couch cushions. <laughs> I've got 125 billion in my foreskin. <laughs> uh, big dick joke. That's a big just, dick joke. Yeah. <laughs> just some. Uh, just some walking around money. That's really good cocaine. <laughs> so Reagan's other hits included the Iran Contra scandal, where the U.S. funded terrorist insurgent groups in Nicaragua, and by his second term, Reagan was completely senile from Alzheimer's which led to Mr. Ed peanut butter kinds of tricks during his public speaking events. <laughs> this goes, and this is another topic that I don't want to get into another tangent, but we really need to have fucking age limits on, like not just young age limits, but like old age limits, not just yeah, on dude. presidents, but on fucking Supreme Court too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you can't just leave it up to these old fucks to realize like, oh, maybe I'm too old to be doing this shit anymore. I mean, for one thing, they don't have the mind that they used to have, so they might not even realize how fucking out of their minds they are. Reagan uh, yeah. was senile when he deregulated the uh, mental health institutions, and he put all these like crazy people out on the streets. And one of them eventually tried to assassinate him, but he was so dementia-ridden by the time that happened that he tried to go visit the guy in the hospital, and the, <laughs> the doctor had to be like, Mr. President, you can't talk to this man. He wants to murder you. <laughs> He's like, Is that right? Yeah, it really happened. Wow, holy shit. I had no idea. That sounds like it'd be a great animated short that, if somebody just would do that. That'd be a pretty funny uh, five minute. And going to visit your attempted assassin is, also sounds like something Jesus would do. <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking crazy. I mean, you would, again, I mean, it's like you would think from that anecdote, we would have learned like, yeah, maybe we should have super old fucks being in control of very important issues. But no, of course, it's still going on. Yeah. Yeah, now they're just able to do the decision equivalent of, like, plowing into a bunch of civilians on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, gotta take that Pretty license much. away. Bush 1 continued the terrible economic policies under Reagan, shifted the base further to the Christian right, and went to war with Iraq under dubious pretenses. But after three straight failed Republican administrations, the American public had enough, so they elected young, dashing superstar, saxophone player Bill Clinton to be the next president. 
To help unfuck the economy, in 1993, Bill Clinton proposed a modest tax increase on the wealthy. The Republicans nicknamed it the Kevorkian tax increase because it would kill the economy, just like the famous suicide doctor. But the economy went into one of the biggest boom cycles ever, and Clinton not only balanced the budget, but ran a surplus. The Republicans were butthurt that Clinton was crushing it, so they tried to impeach him for getting his dick sucked. And I, I got some sauce onto this one. I think I heard this on the Rush Limbaugh show. But, um, oh, my God. So you know it's true. It has to be true. But they said, basically, Republicans kind of got together doing the calculus for this. And they said, Monica Lewinsky had, had have been a six or higher. They wouldn't have impeached him. <laughs> Is that right? If she would have been, like, super hot? <laughs> that was the line. That was the whole thing. And, and to be fair, Clinton also championed the repeal of Glass-Steagall. <laughs> Back in the day, too. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, Bill Clinton is the kind of origin of this thing called the Third Way, which is now a big think tank and uh, source of operation of the Democratic Party. And the reason he sort of came about is that Democrats weren't winning elections against these hardcore populist Republicans. So what they started doing was sort of forming these coalitions I'm talking about by basically like running as a Republican, but with slightly better social issues. So you get like black people and stuff to vote for you. So what wow. Bill Clinton did was like he would do it's called cannibalizing. Like if his opponent was like, I'm going to throw uh, drug users in jail instead of Bill Clinton going, I'm a Democrat. Therefore, I'm going to not throw drug users in jail. He would say, I'm going to throw more drug users in jail than that motherfucker <laughs> and thus get his like racist <laughs> voters to vote for him. And so. When he did this, he didn't really introduce a sort of like FDR style progressive economic policy into the platform when he became president. He actually introduced kind of this weird, monstrous, like economically conservative, in a lot of ways, deregulated platform that I mean, I guess a lot of people will look at him and go, yeah, he has zero unemployment and he had this sort of economic boom. But that kind of happened for a few other reasons that you could argue he kind of just took credit for and laid the groundwork for a bust that happened during the next presidency that then they there's this shit happening with presidents throughout american history where like the stuff that they cause doesn't occur until like the next right. presidency and so they're all taking credit for economic turns yeah. and downturns yeah. to do with them and shit sure. bill clinton is kind of a bastard and i say that as somebody who like wants the democrats to do better like he laid the groundwork for them to kind of be scummy on the down low and then yeah uh, well I can't, i'm not a democrat or republican i lean left more than i lean right but i don't affiliate with any party but I had those same sort of feelings. And just going back to what you were saying, every president, because it's in their nature, they're going to take credit of what's going on when they're president. But the reality is that whatever's happening, the groundwork was laid before for good or worse. And one of the examples that I, I would come up with now is the gas prices are going up. So they're like, ah, look at that. Yeah. Biden. And then the gas <laughs> prices are going like, you really think that's all it was? It was that Biden was fucking... Yeah elected so fucking shell and exxon we're like well we gotta fucking drive up there it's like no dude there's so many factors that go into what and what doesn't happen during a president same same as when fucking trump got elected like look at it look at this uh, stock market going up. i was like yeah. it was already going up <laughs> motherfucker it's like you, you, all you have to do is not fuck it up that's all you have to do 
But uh, yeah, this is just the way it works. Whoever's in charge at the time gets credit for it. And also another thing that happened when Clinton was uh, president is the internet hit hard. Yeah, of course. This, this, the dot-com boom happened on his watch. The dot-com boom happened while he was in office. Yeah. And it did. And the bubble didn't burst till Bush 2, which I'm not a fan of Bush. I'm not trying to defend Bush 2. But I mean, if you're just going to be neutral about it and you're going to see it as the reality that it is, it's like, you know, a lot of these... Things don't happen just because of the president. It's just it's, the groundwork's been set for this yeah, shit to happen. Sure, and, and not to defend Clinton, but I think that Glasgow, it happened on his watch, but it was the Republican Congress that probably concocted this and came up with it, and he yeah, was just too 92, busy getting his dick sucked. There, there were only like eight senators that voted against it. I think there was even one, I think um, it was named Byron Dorgan or something, was like, yeah, in 10 years' time, we're going to look back at this is one of the biggest legislative failures in our country's history or something. Yeah. And it was it was like eerily, it was like this eerie premonition of the mortgage crisis like a decade later. Now, full disclosure, I do want to say this. I was in favor of Clinton in 1992 because he played the saxophone on Arsenio. And I was I a bit, <laughs> and I used to watch Arsenio a lot when I was 11. And I was against Dukakis because his name sounded too much like Kaka. <laughs> and I was about like eight years old. So that's how I judged presidents. Yeah. Michael then. Dukakis was the shit. It, yeah, well, he, his name sounded too much like Kaka to me. So, you know, at eight years old, that was my main issue. All right. So after the Clinton boom years came the Bush Jr. bust years, campaigning by flying around in the Enron corporate jet, a corporation later linked to one of the biggest frauds in history, Bush Jr. promised to finish the wars his father started. Conveniently, his VP happened to run Halliburton, a private military contracting company then starting all these wars gave them a perfect cover to create a federal national surveillance program to spy on all Americans and illegally collect data on us. And there's another thing I would say is like, yeah, that's fucked up. But then Obama kept doing it and didn't yeah. really stop doing it till somebody outed it. Yeah. Closing out his second <laughs> term in 2008 and borrowing a playbook from the Reagan era, Republican-led deregulation of the investment banking industry precipitated the greatest financial market collapse since the Great Depression. Like always... Immigrants and the poor were blamed, and the banks were bailed out once again. When it was all said and done, $8 trillion was wiped out of the U.S. economy, and the middle class and the poor had to carry the brunt of it. And I was going to actually, because I knew this was already coming, I didn't mention it when we did the savings and loan thing. But yeah, it's fucking just history repeating itself, dude. Definitely. Yeah. And that pretty much catches us up. The Republican Party hasn't done anything bad since 2008. They finally got their shit together. They are no longer racist, and they now understand the value of financial regulation. Just kidding. We unfortunately just ran out of time. Yeah, we haven't even gotten into fucking Trump years and yeah, QAnon we couldn't even and, begin to do that justice. In yeah, this. like yeah, I mean, you don't need to go into fucking Trump because like every podcast, right? Everyone listening to this like already knows <laughs> yeah, of, all that shit, right? Yeah. It's the stuff ten years back, so it's like harder for. Uh, people to kind of break their amnesia about so like if you look at that i mean you could see the thing you kept saying throughout this whole fucking thing is like history repeats itself right that's a fucking uh right mark twain quote actually history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes and it's like yeah it keeps happening and so the idea that like just sticking to either democrat or republican you know as a party because they're not really even ideologies is gonna end this constant cycle it's crazy no we're what we have right here is like this 
what is it, Ragnarok? Like, the two Norse gods just fighting each other for eternity? Like, this, this will never just, like, stop, you know? Well, this is, this is what I've been trying to say since the start of the podcast. It's a lot like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jake, for bringing it back around, buddy. Hey, no problem. <laughs> now, let's all do some coke off of my dick. <laughs> yeah, Jake. All right, buddy. Well, thanks a lot, man, for doing the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to do the podcast, bro. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for that. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, man. That was fun. And uh, is there anything else you want to plug? My shows are Why You Mad and Pod Damn America, and my ad on everything is Feral Jokes, which is an anagram for my name, and that's pretty much it. Those are my things. How's Luisa doing? I haven't seen Luisa since I moved out of New York. She's cool, man. I just saw her like in person for the first time in a long time the other day because we got fat vaccinations, so we're chilling now and shit. She's, she's, I think she's excited. Wait, you got what vaccinations? Well, I guess I shouldn't throw her under the bus like that. If you're fat enough in New York, you can get vaccinated. <laughs> oh, yeah, she'll love hearing this. And, uh, and you know, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but I have a lot of respect for you, man, because you fucking, I, I like how outspoken you are, dude. Like, I just saw you post a thing the other day about, what is it, like the clubs? They want you to do check spots without paying and shit? Yeah, well, their new thing is like, they're kind of like the Democrat thing I was talking about, where it's like, be better maybe if you just didn't pay us the new thing in new york is that they're gonna pay people six dollars for like metro <laughs> fare or whatever and it's like <laughs> let's fucking have the whole argument i know how much your goddamn business makes pay yeah. the fucking comics because they're the whole reason you're making money you know but somebody scabbed somebody was like well i'll do it for six dollars and then they all were like oh six dollars that's a great idea because it's like yeah. so like i love fighting with people about that Somebody literally fucking dug up a newspaper story about the comedy strike at the comedy store in Los Angeles 42 years ago. <laughs> you know how much they got? Six fucking dollars for cab fare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in, in 10 years, we'll be like, man, remember when you can get six dollars? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So like, you know, like I said, man, I'm a lifer. It's, I'm not afraid of losing shit. And I also, I you know, built a pretty solid like DIY. If I book a show at a bar, people come to see me. So I don't give a fuck about these people's clubs and stuff. And that's why I'm out there falling on swords is because I'm trying to fucking fix shit. And I know I pissed a lot of people off in the process, but you know, that's going to happen. So anyway. Nah, but mad respect for that, dude, because you're doing it. I mean, I talk a lot of shit, but I'm fucking doing a podcast that nobody listens to. So who gives a fuck? <laughs> but you're fucking saying that shit out there. People are trying to fucking physically fight you at comedy clubs, dude. You're a fucking man, dude. So I really appreciate you making the time to be in the podcast. Dude. Yeah, man. I had a blast. It was a fucking pleasure talking to you, and I'd appreciate you saying all that stuff and inviting me on and, uh, you know, just being cool because that's a fucking political act in itself these days is to be cool with Jake Flores, man. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're always welcome on this podcast, my friend. Cool, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, bro. All right. Thanks. Thanks again, Jake. Bobby, you got any last words? <sighs> Do not again this week. Awesome. Perfect. Yep. I bet you yep. Ian does have some last words. Yeah, I'm going to put some cocaine on my dick and uh, have some fun with the little lady. And I do have a life insurance policy, <laughs> yeah. so it's a win-win either way. You know what yeah, I was going to say? I was going to say, like, are you sure you have enough cocaine for your dick? But, you know, now that I think about it, it's like, hey, do you, you think you got enough dick for that cocaine? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got a small dick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ian, Ian calls his foreskin his snow den. <laughs> and i think we did a good job tonight fellas i think this is uh we kind of live up to the moniker of the show being the dirtiest highbrow show so we hit those high notes this time so well done lads well done 
I mean, we were just doing what you set us up for, so, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is all you, Ian. All and credit by, to Ian. And, and by assist, I mean getting Carlos to drop the in-bomb like five or ten times. Yeah, that's right. Trying to get, I, as if I don't drop it enough on my fucking Facebook, now you're making me drop it on the fucking Yeah, dude, what's up podcast? with that? I saw you try to put a zinger out there. And someone just tried to go back and forth with you about, you can't say that word, even in jest. And you were like... Oh, I, I, I didn't try. I put the zinger out there. Yeah, you, and you then put the zinger out there. And then this was like, there. you can't say the N-word. Unbeknownst like, to you, Carlos, we all, the rest of the world minus Carlos, anointed this lady <laughs> as the cunt lord supreme representative of the PC mob or whatever. That's so. right. And, but see, now, I'm just hearing this now. I didn't realize <laughs> that she had been anointed the white savior of minorities. So like, she, if I'd yeah. known that at the time. Yeah, we left you out of the fun. That was a, a committee Yeah, she was decision. not happy. And I'll, actually, I'll say the joke right now. I was like, I don't know. Did you guys hear about this? Is this the fucking Papa John did an interview on OANN where he said, for the last 20 months, I've been trying to rid my vocabulary of the N-word. Because apparently that's very <laughs> difficult for him. It has been a grueling task, yes, my friend. <laughs> for almost two years, he's just been trotting. Ah, if only I could get rid of this N-word. Everybody around him just thought that he was becoming a monk or something because he just hasn't talked the whole time. So what I said, I was like, yeah, Papa John's been trying to get rid of the N-word because he thinks nigger is just a lot easier to say. <laughs> and oh my god did people well not people but this one actually not actually two people now because that one other guy just complained about it like ah, you, can, you shouldn't say that word you should and it's like i did it papa john said that word yeah. people were outraged carlos yeah people were at the same people that were outraged about the lola bunny were yeah. outraged about my using they, the n-word to call a racist a racist yeah, they clapped back at Carlos Valencia's <laughs> racial slur. That's right. And then, you know, of course, Ian just has to compound it by putting it 17 times in the part that I have to read. <laughs> That's it's just going to get like to the point where that clip just gets like, let's cut to Carlos for the weather. And it's just that word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, just, All right, fellas. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to support us monetarily, you can hit us up at themshits.com, right? Themshits.com? That's yep. right. Themshits.com. T-H-E-M-S-H-I-T-S.com. We couldn't possibly make it any easier. Themshits.com if you want to hit up our Patreon, <laughs> be one of our supporters. We appreciate you listening. Even if you don't support us on the Patreon, if you can't afford it, you know what you can do? It's free. You can tell your friends. Tell your friends to listen to the podcast if you dig it. Thank you for listening. Walk your cat. Walk your cat.